So dear brothers, this is great again to have you all here this evening. I heard an interesting, um, I presume it's true, but I heard an interesting, uh, how would you call it, it's like a advice uh, from a person who has worked as a, as a lifeguard, and they said, if someone is drowning, if someone is drowning out at sea, right, they, they can, they're flapping, they're wailing all sorts of directions, and, and, and uh, they get a bit panicky. The danger is, if you try to rescue them immediately, if you go over to them while they're in that state, they can actually, again, just trying to survive, grab onto you and pull you down. You know, whereas if they're, if they're, kind of, if they're calm, you can swim up behind them, you, you, you catch them under the arm there, and you can swim and take them back to safety. But while they're flailing, they can actually, you know, drown you. So this is the somewhat strange bit that they said if a person is, is, is in a state of panic like that, you have to wait until they pass out. You have to wait until they stop flailing. You have to wait until they start drowning. And then when they're, you know, when they're kind of passing out, then in you pop, and, and you can take them back to safety. The advice was, you don't rescue too soon. You know what I mean? And I thought, that's very, that's, Jenny, that's, that sounds risky. <laughs> it sounds risky. Because you have to know. I mean, you know, if someone just falls into a pool and you know, they're, they're in a bit of difficulty, maybe you can pull them out immediately. But if someone's out to sea and they're panicking, you might actually have to let them tire themselves out, sink a wee bit, and then in you go. But like, you know, it's, it's risky. Yeah, how do you know... <laughs> how do you know how long to wait before you know they could actually start sinking? Uh, but that was, as I said, the, the advice. Now, interestingly, I was talking to to a priest recently uh, about something similar, about helping people, or about um, not so much through prayer but through time that we spend with them. And he said we have to be careful as well not to rescue too soon. Again, so this, 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 this was said to me recently and I thought, oh, hold on a second, that's something I really have to think about. Because there's a, there's a danger then that people can, can almost play up an issue because they know they'll, they'll, get, they'll get an immediate reaction, you know? Kind of like we used to do as children. Uh, we, we just say, Mommy, I feel, I feel, I, you know, I'm tired, I'd like an ice cream. <laughs> do you know? And if you get it, if it works... Oh my goodness, are you going to play that card every single time you can, like, you know? So if, if, if we can find a way of getting attention, and interestingly, as more as, you see this as well in, in kind of young teenagers, I think it probably might even follow us into the rest of our lives, where negative attention is better than no attention at all. You know, we often see this in, in, in school, like when kids really act up. When they really, but really act the maggot, like setting furniture on fire or whatever it is, Do you know, they for them negative attention is better than no attention at all. They're not going to get attention for being stellar students because, you know, they're they're not studying, they're not doing their homework, but just breaking something. Now principal's office and calls home, and now there's you know there's a lot of attention. Now it's negative, but it's better than not existing. It's better than not being seen at all. So at least someone seems to care. At least someone is reacting. At least someone I was making phone calls or doing something because of me, because they're trying to help me. That makes me feel more loved than just sitting at the back, keeping my head down, doing nothing and saying nothing, just trying to let the day pass without getting 
in trouble. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be loved. These are basic desires of our hearts. We want to be seen, but not, not in a kind of a famous way. But like no one wants to be discarded and forgotten about. No one wants to be looked at and just, oh. you know, no one wants to be rejected. It can even be a self-protection that we get to a point where we think, yeah, I don't care. I don't care what people think anyway. People can hate me if they want. That's kind of a way of preempting the rejection. So if I think I'm going to get rejected, yeah, I don't care anyway. Then the person rejects me. Yeah, see, there you go. I don't care though. So it doesn't affect me. But we do. We do care. People do care. They do care if they're loved. They do care if they're rejected or not. This idea of not rescuing, rescuing too quickly. I think it's a... We can have a healthy kind of a, an understanding of this also as regards our prayer lives. The why is it that you've just prayed a rosary now with Kathleen? Why is it that all the intentions you prayed for when you walk out of this chapel, all of them won't be granted immediately? I'm sure many of you were praying for an extra 200 grand to appear in your bank accounts by the time you leave here. Check them on the way home. I doubt any of you got an extra 200 grand in your bank account by some... If, if you did, 10%, all right? <laughs> Joking. Okay. Uh, don't care about money. Uh, but point being, we can pray for things like that, and we tend not to... Well, those kind of superficial things, the Lord, tend, like he won't give us anything that's going to harm us, no more than you give a steak knife to your four-year-old to play with. Uh, but the Lord sometimes can seem to delay to answer even that good intentions for someone's healing. That's a good intention. It's a good thing to pray for. So you're praying for it, and after a week, two weeks, three weeks, there's still no improvement. Now, thank God, often there are immediate improvements, and praise God for it. Fantastic. But at times it can happen that, yeah, after six months, there's still no actual improvement. What's, what's the Lord doing? If he rescues us too soon, we lose the opportunity to grow in many virtues. If I have to wait for the Lord, if I have to wait for the Lord to act, I grow in faith. Because I'm still praying, Lord, I'm not really seeing the effects of it, but I still believe in you. I still believe in your goodness. Now I have an opportunity to actually deepen my faith in this period of waiting. Not the opposite. I have an opportunity also to say, well, I've prayed three rosaries. Uh, I'm still single, so this whole prayer thing doesn't work. That's why I ended up hitting um, right. So, uh, just because we pray and things don't get answered immediately, it's not that God has forgotten us. We now have an opportunity to grow in some other way. What is the Lord saying with this apparent inaction? Because he, he, he hasn't forgotten us. He has not forgotten us. I, the Lord, your God, I am holding you by the right hand. I tell you, do not be afraid. I will help you. First line of our readings today from Isaiah 41, 13. What a beautiful line. I, the Lord your God, I am holding you by the right hand. I tell you, do not be afraid. I will help you. I will help you. This is a divine promise. This is the word of the Lord. Right? This, is, this is like from his own mouth. This isn't 
someone else who said, you know, if we, if we turn to God, he'll probably help us or he'll, he'll definitely help us. This is G- G- God himself saying it. So it's, it's a divine promise. It's not wrong. It's not a lie. It's not an exaggeration. So the Lord will help us. The question, the question is, 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 is one of timing. When and how. He will help us. When. That depends. That depends. But be, just because it's not happening at, at the rate that we would like, according to our schedule, doesn't mean he's doing nothing. In the meantime, we watch and pray. In the meantime, we grow in faith. In the meantime, we grow in patience. In the meantime, we grow in childlikeness, childlike dependency on God. So in this, this waiting period is actually a very fertile period. You're waiting and all sorts of virtues are growing in you or can grow in you if we use this time well. This time, it's a time of Advent is a time of waiting, you know? We're, we're, we're waiting for the coming of the Lord. We're, we're preparing for the Lord made visible in the crib, in the manger. But it's, it's, it's a waiting period that's a good period. This is, uh, we're, we're growing in excitement, especially if you're four. You're really growing in excitement if you're looking forward to, you know, to Christmas Day as a child. It's a huge excitement. But we as adults, we need to kind of rediscover this, this, the, 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 the usefulness, the lesson of this waiting period. It doesn't mean God is doing nothing and eventually your prayer will weigh enough to actually make a difference. That's not what's happening. We pray and we wait. And in the meantime, we grow in virtue. We grow in patience. We grow in childlike dependence on the Lord. We grow in love. And so then nothing is wasted. Even these, these times of, of, of yeah, maybe apparent silence, if that's the season that you're going through, that's not wasted. It's not that you did anything wrong. It's not that your prayer hasn't been answered. Give it time. Give the Lord time. He has promised he will help you. His word, not mine. So Lord, you have said it. Your word is true. I trust you. You're God. You're not going to go back on your word. You didn't exaggerate. You said you'd help me, and I believe you will. I give you these people I'm praying for. I give you these issues. I give you these impossible situations to resolve. I give them to you. Lord, I trust you to act. In your way, in your time, in the right way, in the best way. I trust you to act. And there's something, if we can do that, if we can believe that, there's something very, very freeing about it. Because if we don't do that, then the responsibility of all these things is on you. Whereas if I say, Lord, I, I, I trust you to do this. Because, okay, a friend of mine, a, a parent has been diagnosed with cancer. I can't do anything about that. I'm absolutely helpless in that situation. I'm not an oncologist. I don't know. I hear vitamin C is good. I don't know. Um, take lots of vitamin C, I suppose. I mean, I, it's not my area. I don't know. I can't help. So, Lord, I, I give it to you. Someone's suffering from depression. and They live halfway across the country. Well, I can't call them every day. That might be a bit, a bit much. I can pray for them. Lord, I give them to you. You've got some son or daughter who isn't practicing, some niece or nephew. You've got 
someone in your family who's just really going off the rails. Lord, I can't make their decisions for them. I can't live their lives for them. I give them to you. And I trust that in the right time, in the right way, you will intervene. And if, Lord, you have to let them fall a little further so that they choose to come back to you, if you don't intervene too early to rescue them too early because they need to recognize their need for you, then I trust what you're doing as well. I trust that if you're letting them fall, that you know what you're doing. It's often you know, the case with people with addictions as well, and, and counsellors say this as well, that, or psychologists, that we shouldn't enable someone with an addiction. You, know, you, you don't give money to, to an alcoholic who asks for 100 quid. I mean, you know where it's going. It's straight down the toilet, effectively. So you, know, you don't enable them. And at times, if you're really clear, you know, if, if you steal again, you're out of the house. And then you have to follow through on that, on that. And then, like you think, of Ginny, is this? Am I doing the right thing? This is my, my son or my daughter, and now I'm, I'm threatening them with 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 these kind of consequences, with these kind of uh, punishments. That we actually need to. Otherwise, you're an addict, begging, borrowing, stealing all around you, and there are no consequences. So why would you stop? Sometimes we can't rescue too soon. Sometimes the addict only realizes, I actually, I, I have to stop. When things start to fall apart around them, when they find themselves on the street and they go, how on earth did I get here? I've a college degree or I've had a wonderful relationship or I've got a son or a daughter and what on earth am I doing here? How did, how did I end up here? And it's only then when you hit rock bottom you realize, my goodness, I, I need help. I need God. Bingo, doors open. And now the Lord can work. Now the Lord can work. You didn't want him to work beforehand. Or you did, but you didn't want to stop doing what you were doing. So now the Lord can work. Are are you ready for healing now? Because I've been waiting to give it to you for the last 20 years. Are you ready now? The Lord does know what he's doing. And he has promised us that he will help us. So we can approach this, this same God with, 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 with profound faith. And in the meantime, as I say, we hold on, watch and pray in patience, in love, in faith. And maybe even with joy. Imagine to be able to pray like that, where you've got all these intentions. And you say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to be resolved. I trust you. You're going to take care of it. You're God. You're amazing. You're almighty. I'm not. You take care of it. And I'm, I rejoice already now at the solution that you're going to find. Imagine. Imagine praying like that. Like to pray with that kind of confidence. To rejoice already now at the solution that hasn't happened yet. Anybody want to pray like that? I think I might try. <laughs> this is a good thing. It's something we should, we, should, we, should, we should be working on, you know? I want to pray like that. I want to pray more like that. With that kind of joyful confidence. Lord, you have said you will help me. I trust you. I thank you. And I rejoice already now at the solution. So, as we celebrate this Mass together, let us renew that faith and trust in, in the Lord's ability to resolve the unresolvable. To, to heal every situation. 
And in this time of waiting, we're not forgotten. The Lord is at work. The Lord will come true on his promise. I, the Lord your God, I am holding you by the right hand. I tell you, do not be afraid, for I will help you. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining us uh, for these homilies on the internet, wherever you are watching us. Uh, It's a great honour and privilege that you would join us uh, on such a regular basis to share in our life here in Holy Family Mission. We're now eight years on the go, and we've had the privilege of welcoming over 90 young people to take part in our year-long faith formation programme. And all of that is possible due to your donations, your support, your help and your prayers. So we're greatly, greatly appreciative of all that has been done here, uh, also through your support and your efforts. Uh, This is our fundraising Christmas appeal time of the year as well. So if any of you can or would like to support us, uh, we would be delighted if you could do so. We, maybe I shouldn't be saying all of this, but we uh, uh, charge our young people €4,000 a year to be here. It costs in our around €10,000. We subsidise the price then by running retreats here and by fundraising. That's how, that's how we, we work. So uh, thank you so much for all <coughs> that you can do to further the mission of Holy Family Mission, that we can continue to renew, reinvigorate and revive the faith here in this country and indeed abroad. God bless you.